Welcome to Refocus. I'm your host, Trevor Wilson. This is a podcast of Sunday school lessons that I've taught, some sermons that I have preached. Uh, I have various guests at different times. Uh, Basically, the, the whole idea is to just kind of refocus back on the Word of God, going back to those Bible stories, studying the scriptures. Let's just, just kind of get out of ourselves, out of our own thinking, and go back to the Word of God and see what He has to say. I love those old Sunday school lessons when we were kids. We seem to have gotten away from some of those, just the bare bones bottom of what the Word of God, the meat and potatoes, if you will. So I hope you enjoy it and pass along and share. Now, let's get to the lesson. Hello again, Steve back with you again in the study of the book of Matthew. We've gone through the first three chapters and we're ready to move into chapter four. Now chapter four actually is kind of divided into three different sections. Uh, Verses 1 through 11, it talks about the temptation of Christ. Then um, uh, verses 12 through 17 talks about the beginning of Jesus' public ministry. And then in verses 18 through 25, uh, of course, in preparation for his ministry, it's the calling of the fishermen, uh, you know, those that he called to uh, be his disciples. So, you know, we're going to get into this and just talk a little bit, you know, so it's kind of a cursory study. We're not getting into it in great depth, but just to give you a familiarity with the book of Matthew. And I think I've said before, Matthew's always been my favorite book of the Bible. I don't know why. I just have some attraction to it. I guess it's just the way Matthew writes or the way uh, it relates to me, or just maybe it's because when I first started getting serious about God's call in my life, I decided to just start reading through Scripture. And I started with the New Testament, but I wasn't, for the, well, for the first time, I was doing more than just reading. I was actually trying to do somewhat of an in-depth study. And so I started in Matthew, and I spent a lot of time in Matthew, and I guess it just grew on me. So it has, I don't know, for some reason it's just always spoke to me. Anyway, here we are in chapter 4. It starts out there um, talking about, as I said, the temptation of Jesus. Then was Jesus led up of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. That Just that verse is interesting to me because it says he was led by the Spirit for the express purpose of being tempted. Um, you know, I know all, all things work together for good. I, I know everything God does is for our good. It just seems kind of contradictory to say that he led us into the, to a, a situation for just to be tempted, or at least his son, Jesus Christ. Well, certainly if he led Jesus to, in a situation like that, he would do the same with us. And just through my life, I have found that he does. He has and does. Um, because he uses these temptations in order to uh, do two things. One is, of course, to help us grow, to give us confidence, to let us know what you know what we're up against, and the fact that we can defeat it. And secondly, is to show that he is with us, that there is no temptation that that can defeat us, as long as we depend depend upon the Lord. Now, uh, under our own abilities, certainly, yes, there are temptations that will that will succumb to and will defeat us. 
but we can resist them through the power of Christ. So the more we lean upon him, the more we learn that um, we can overcome any temptation. But that's what Jesus did. Um, he was uh, tempted for, uh, for that he himself hath suffered being tempted. He is able to succor them that are tempted. That's in Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 18. So it says, you know, in describing it, it says, And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he was afterward in hunger. Now, I don't know about you, but I've never, I've never gone that long without food. Um, I've dieted before and gone with very little food, and so I know what it means to be hungry from a dietary standpoint. But we're talking about doing without food for 40 days so that you get so desperate and so emptied out that you have nothing else to, to depend upon but Jesus, uh, but the power of God. And when the tempter came to him, he said, If thou be the Son of God, command that these stones be made bread. But he answered and said, It is written, A man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Then the devil taketh him up into the holy city, and sitteth him on a pinnacle of the temple, and saith unto him, If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down. For it is written, he shall give, thee, give his angels charge concerning thee, and in their hands they shall bear thee up, lest at any time thou dash thy foot against the stone. Jesus said to him, and is written again, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. So notice, you know, the devil's trying to twist the scripture, and then, of course, Jesus is, is throwing it back to him in its true form. Again, the devil taketh him uh, up into a, an exceeding high mountain, showeth him the kingdoms of the world, and the glory of them. And saith unto him, All these things will I give unto thee, if thou wilt fall down and worship me. Of course, I always got a kick out of that, because Satan only has what he has because God gave it to him, or God allows him to have it. Um, and so giving something to the Son of God that he literally got from the Son of God as a member of the Trinity in the first place just always seemed ludicrous to me. But, I, you know, Satan, while he's a lot smarter than you and I, is not necessarily the sharpest uh, pencil in the box. Um, then saith Jesus unto him, Get thee hence, Satan. I don't like that. He says, Give me a break, Satan. What do you think? I'm stupid. So get thee hence, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only um, shalt thou serve. Then the devil leaveth him, and behold, angels came and ministered unto him. Now when Jesus had heard that John was cast into prison, he departed from Galilee. So there you have the temptation. Um, and how precious is it to know that when we're tried, we have uh, the promise of Hebrew 4.15. It says, we have, For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. So we, knew, we know Jesus came to earth, and, and he didn't just come and be a man, he, he faced all the same things that man faced. So he faced temptation. Of course, he overcame it to show us that if we lean upon him, we can, we can do that. Um, now, the word infirmities it means weaknesses. So if we're to overcome temptation, then we have to overcome it like Jesus did with the use of Scripture. And that's the importance of learning Scripture. Psalm 119.11 says, Thy word have I hid in mine heart, and I might not sin against thee. Notice that the devil twisted the scripture and uh, tried to uh, tried to tempt Jesus, but of course, you know that didn't work because Jesus, as I said before, just answered him back with scripture, 
in its true form, not not twisted and not taken out of context or anything. Um, and of course, Satan had to back down from that because the word um, is Jesus Christ. He, he says, you know, he he tells us that he is the word. In the beginning was the word, and word was with God, and the word was God. So. Um, he had to back down because the Word is the Son of God, and he, he can't confront that, can't overcome that. Um, and Satan, of course, used the same method in tempting Eve in the Garden of Eden, uh, and but she succumbed. She gave in. First, see, he, he will question Scripture. Um, then he will take Scripture and he will twist it. And then he will openly deny the Word of God. He just, you know, has that process that he goes through to uh, to go to make scripture into something that it's not, you know, and that's a problem that I have today uh, with all the new translations and so on. Because, you know, the first thing they do is begin to change the word of God, and we can argue manuscript evidence and stuff like that all day long. And I've been through that with so many people. I've I've, I've read the books on it. I've done the research, and you know, I'm not going to go back and redo it again. I'm, it's too late in life for me to do that. I've settled that question. I don't care how many new manuscripts they can't they come out with. They'll be disproven in time. So I'm not I'm not shook about that. And you know, every time I have a conversation with someone who is not a King James advocate, I don't care what kind of proof, so-called proof they put up. I come away from the discussion even more convinced that I'm right and they're wrong. Now, there are so many flaws in that logic, and but because what it boils down to is it begins to change the word of God. Now, wherever you start from, let's let's just say you're an NIV advocate, and, and so I come to you with with uh, an NASB, and I decide and I try to convince you that your NIV is wrong, that my NASB is right. It, you know what I'm coming from is a standpoint of mine changes yours. You know, mine makes changes to to what you have in your hand. So, you see, that's that's the basic. Uh, argument that Satan uses in order to try and get us away from the Word of God. And I don't understand why people can't see that. Why they don't understand their argument is based on the very foundation of what Satan uses to draw us away from the Word of God. But enough of that uh, chasing that rabbit. The fact is we need to know the Word of God in, in order to defeat Satan. Then we see the, the beginning of Jesus' public ministry in verse 12. I already read that part. Uh, it says, in leaving Nazareth, he came and dwelt in Capernaum, which is upon the sea, uh, the sea coast in the borders of Zebulon and Nephthalim. Uh, it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah, the prophet, saying, in the land of Zebulun, the land of Nephthalim, by the way of the sea beyond Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. Um, the people which sat in the darkness saw great light, and to them which sat in the region and shadow of death, light is sprung up. Or, uh, yeah, sprung up. Uh, from that time, Jesus began to preach and to say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. We already talked about that, basically, being the same message that John the Baptist gave. So, at the beginning of his ministry, we see the imprisonment of his, his forerunner, John the Baptist. And, of course, we know what eventually happened to John. Um, um, the daughter of, uh, I believe it was Herodias, uh, danced. And so pleased the king that he told her he'd give her any wish that she asked. And she asked for the head of John the Baptist on a charger. So in order to keep his word, he had John beheaded. It's it's tough, you know. It would have been tough to be John, to, to know that he had dedicated his life to the service of the Lord. Spent his latter years. He, he was never he never had any accolades, never 
reached any position of promise. He did the same thing his whole life and ended up in a dungeon and finally had his head cut off. But you know, we need to get we need to get the right picture about life. This is just a pre precursor to eternity. It really doesn't mean anything. It makes no difference what we have to go through here on this life. And it's got to end somehow. Uh, I'd rather have my head cut off than to die of some lengthy disease that caused a lot of pain for myself and all those around me. Um, so anyway, you know, John, you see the, the, the public ministry of John, um, Jesus beginning and the ministry of John ending. Um, Jesus coming into Zebulon, of course, fulfilling Isaiah 9, 1 and 2. Um, um, Jesus not only was the light of Zebulon, but he was the light of the world. Um, and so, you know, that's where we're at there. And, and that's just, uh, you know, a brief introduction to the second part. In verse 18, and uh, <clears throat> Jesus walking by the Sea of Galilee. This is where in part where he begins to call the fishermen. Saw two brethren, Simon Peter and uh, Andrew, his brother, casting an net into the sea. For they were fishers, and he saith unto them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And they straightway left their nets and followed them. And going from thence, he saw uh, other two brethren, James the son of Zebedee and John his brother, in a ship uh, with Zebedee, their father, uh, mending their nets, and he called them, and immediately, notice, immediately left the ship and their father and followed them. And Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing all manner of sickness and all manner of disease among the people. And his fame went throughout all Syria. He brought unto him all sick people that were taken with diverse diseases and torments, and those which were possessed with devils, and those which were lunatic, and those which had palsy, and he healed them. And there followed him great multitudes of people from Galilee and from Decapolis and from Jerusalem, from Judea and from beyond Jordan. Um, so he begins to call the fishermen. Now, you know, being a fisherman was not an easy task. It was a, it was a laborious uh, job. And, uh, it, you know, you couldn't be a slacker. And be a successful fisherman was a hard day's work. So Jesus saw these men and he saw the potential they had. He knew what he could make out of them. And, of course... You know, any being a success in anything requires good leadership and good guidance, good teachers. Well, Jesus decided he was going to make fishers of men um, for you know for a time, and then you know they become jewels for eternity as as they have. He used many of them to write uh, scripture, <clears throat> but all of them to set examples. So these men were hard workers. Uh, God does not, nor uh, can he cannot nor can he use a slothful person for his service you have to have a work ethic and you have to be able to work without supervision uh, you have to be uh, self-motivated in order to serve God it's got to come from within so these these fishermen though um, you know they were willing to go when the time came they were willing to walk away from their jobs and they immediately left their ships and their nets and their parents to follow Jesus um, and that's the position we need to be in. When, when, when God calls, it's time to go. Some, it may take a while for you to figure out what God's calling in your life is. But once you get it, you need to be ready to go. So you need to begin to make those preparations. Learn your scripture. Um, and develop good habits, especially in not only work habits, but study habits, um, service habits. You know, start doing whatever you can for Jesus. 
so that when he calls and says, okay, here's, here's the ministry that I have laid out for you. It's time to go do it. You need to be ready to go. So that's Matthew chapter 4. Hope you enjoyed it, and we'll see you next round.